We have over 360 participants from 35 states who are in that collaborative. You can imagine if we get all the biggest health systems in the country to pledge to actually implement firearm safety healthcare strategies, what kind of impact do you think that can have? Right, that's gonna be huge. That literally has probably not been done for any other disease in this type of coordinated fashion. And uh, you know, we work closely with folks like Brett to really get that message out there. Welcome to 20-Minute Health Talk. My name is Brian Donnelly. Today, we have two very special guests. Dr. Chetan Sathya is the director of Northwell Health Center for Gun Violence Prevention. He's also the Associate Medical Director of Trauma at Cohen Children's Medical Center. Brad Gutenberg is a national firearm safety advocate whose 14-year-old daughter, Jamie, was tragically killed in the Parkland school shooting in February 2018. He's also the author of the book, Find the Helpers, What 9-11 in Parkland Taught Me About Recovery, Purpose, and Hope. Gentlemen, Thank you for joining us. Uh, how are you doing today? You know what? Inspired. Oh, this has been from the start of the day with the interview that I did earlier to this entire morning with these amazing kids. And I, I want to talk about that. So four very special students from Baldwin High School right here locally. Uh, they are our medical marvels. Uh, Northwell does this annual challenge and we got it back going this year. And the topic this year was gun violence. Dr. Sathya, tell me a little bit about that just to kick it off. Yeah, so the medical marvels competition um, is every year focused on a different public health type of issue. And this year the topic was gun violence prevention. And over a hundred different schools came together, had teams that put together projects as to how we should tackle gun violence using a public health approach. The students today from Baldwin High School were our winners, um, but there were so many other good videos as well and good projects. And we are just so inspired by the ideas that these students have. And I think that's why Fred and I really just enjoy talking to them today. Um, their perspective is really amazing. Uh, yeah, Fred, tell me about meeting these kids. What was this uh, experience like for you? You know, the last thing that I said to them at the end of the lunch was that they reminded me of my daughter. These are kids who are so clear and passionate about doing the right things, about belief in themselves, about standing up for good um, and fighting for it and not putting up with the BS that other people may put in their way. Um, they reminded me of my daughter and I was honored to just have this chance to spend this morning with them. They're, they're truly amazing kids. Uh, you talk to people all over the country, uh, to, par to parents, to kids. You know, today we're talking about empowering those kids and parents and even patients. Um, you know, how do you do that? You know, one of the kids at lunch started asking me a quest similar question about talking to people in Washington and, and, and framed it as talking to those people who are higher up, who are, you know. And the first thing I did is I let her know they're not higher up than you. They, they represent you. They are supposed to react to what you want. Don't ever let anybody make you feel that way. And so that is how I approach the work that I do. When, when Jamie was killed, um, I lost this ability to be in awe of people who supposedly are supposed to be doing the work of government. You know, I think that the student's perspective is just so fresh and uh, really kind of inspires us and, and helps us to reset on what our priorities should be. I think in the healthcare industry, we have a unique opportunity 
to approach firearm injury prevention through an apolitical harm reduction injury prevention standpoint. We've done it with other stigmatized issues like HIV, substance use, and even tobacco, right? There was a time when it was taboo to ask patients questions related to smoking. So there's a lot that the healthcare industry can do if we look at it from that lane, focused on safety and injury prevention. I know Fred is a big supporter of that public health approach, and that's kind of where we see our role in this debate. Yeah, and I'll just say this. The public, gun violence is a public health issue, and it is time for us in every chance we get to reinforce that, to remove the conversation from the Second Amendment plank, because it never was a Second Amendment issue. That was always the big lie. Um, it's, it's why at the State of the Union, I got removed because I called out the big lie that night. Um, it was never a Second Amendment issue, but it is a public health issue. I, I was sharing earlier with the group that I kind of look at this as there's three objectives. How do we lower the gun violence death rate? How do we reduce the instances of gun violence? And how do we reduce the severity of gun violence injuries when they happen? That is a public health conversation. We are unfortunately at a point where we can't talk about eliminating gun violence. There's too many guns out there, but we can talk about reducing. And again, it is a public health conversation. Yeah. And Dr. Sathya, you know, tell me why this uh, issue is so important to you uh, personally. You know, I have, um, my primary job is as a pediatric trauma surgeon, right? So we, we treat kids with all types of injuries, motor vehicle co uh, collisions, accidents, and so on. But unfortunately, we're having to increasingly treat children with bullet wounds. And that is why this is so um, close to my heart and, and Dr. Prince and other trauma uh, surgeons in the system and in the nation. It's because this is something we see day in and day out. And enough is enough. You know, we are tired of pulling those bullets out of children. We're tired of having to break bad news to families um, and tell them that they've lost a loved one to a preventable disease. Uh, so that's kind of where we come at this from. Yeah. And Dr. Sathya, you mentioned this uh, often, um, you know, that you need to treat gun violence like a new disease and to study it. And so we're studying it here at Northwell with an NIH grant. Uh, tell me about that and how that's going. You know, what is that looking like now that you're, you know, full steam ahead? That's an implementation focused grant where we are going to ask every patient who comes into our Northwell emergency departments questions related to assessing firearm injury risk. So that will allow us to identify if a patient or family is at risk of firearm injury and then intervene with things that we know work, such as having a doctor talk to patients or families about gun safety, providing gun locks, providing community resources like violence interrupters. So that's what our, our research is really focused on. And I think one of the biggest things that we hope will come out of this research is teaching us important lessons learned with how we can normalize the conversation on firearm safety, right? This is an uncomfortable topic. You know, we, we in healthcare also can't have this conversation. We are not comfortable having this conversation with our patients. But we know actually from studies that patients and families want their doctors to ask about this. And so why are we uncomfortable, right? That's, that's a natural question. And I think we have the opportunity in the healthcare lane to figure that out and potentially inform other sectors. Yeah, and I just want to say the work that is happening here is so critical and, and, and I don't believe there's anything like it happening anywhere else. But to be able to evaluate, as the doctor just laid out, and then 
to have this data that will really you know advise as to future solutions and ways to deal with this is so crucial it, it is mind-boggling to me that you can go into your doctor's office and they ask about just pretty much anything that they would consider health related a health related concern to evaluate what they need to do next but they don't ask about this it's really interesting. And, and this NIH grant is really the first federal funding that has come on this issue. How do you do it? Like describe to me this process that, you know, there's a, a patient that comes in and how do you assess their firearm risk, their gun violence risk? So I think, um, first of all, asking the question in the first place, getting people comfortable to ask the question requires a lot of education. So that's a big part of what we're doing, educating our workforce on how to even have these conversations. Right, Fred, you've, you've mentioned that before, right? We, we talked about schools, education in schools, teaching kids what important aspects of firearm safety are. You know, what are the important parts of a firearm to know about? These are things we have to teach our own workforce to be able to even ask these questions. So once we do that, the questions that will be asked will be around firearm access inside and outside of the household, and then violence risk questions that have nothing to do with access. And this is all confidential. This has nothing to do with ownership, nothing to do with the Second Amendment. By asking these questions, we can assess risk and then intervene, like I mentioned before. So you can imagine in a natural conversation, like Fred was mentioning, right? We ask already about heart disease or, you know, chest pain, sugar intake, exercise. We already give counseling about other safety hazards like motor vehicle safety, drowning avoidance. So, so we are going to incorporate these questions into that. Dr. Sathya, uh, maybe you both can answer this. Uh, tell me, you know, why are community partners, you know, like schools, faith leaders, you know, other community groups uh, so important in this movement? They're critical, right? We, we for example, the, the healthcare lane is one piece of a public health approach to gun violence prevention. But without the community, no meaningful change is going to happen, right? The community is critical. So engaging schools, faith-based leaders, violence interrupter groups is going to be critical in addition to engaging gun owners, like we talked about before. And I think it's important to draw the distinction between firearm safety and violence, right? Because these are two different things. So that always, I think, is an important thing to consider when engaging community groups for the various strategies that you want to implement. Um, but they're, they're absolutely critical. This is one of those weird issues where, especially in the days before Parkland, the years before Parkland, where people couldn't talk about it. And when you tried, it was just people ran to their sides. Since Parkland, you know, uh, part of my effort has really been to make sure people don't stop talking about it, to make sure people don't stop getting engaged on this. And the, the long-term ability to do that is dependent upon everyone in the community being okay with talking about how we make ourselves safer. Yeah. And Fred, you know, obviously your connection to Northwell is very deep. Uh, your brother, Michael worked here for many years and, you know, is just beloved. You talk to our CEO, Michael Dowling, and he can't talk enough about Michael. Um, I'm curious, how did you come to uh, work with Dr. Sathya and, and come here today? How did you connect with uh, this team here? You know, uh, I, my connections with Northwell are, have now gone on for several years. Um, the, the approach that Northwell, um, from Michael Dowling on down, took with, <clears throat> excuse me, with my family 
when my brother was sick is something I'll never forget. And then four months later, when my daughter was killed, the ongoing connection and the, the, just the support. So as a health system, I ended up just staying engaged. You know, the funny thing is, I'm not really sure how you and I first became connected, but it's been a while now. And we I, do talk regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually remember it. Um, and it's, it, you know, you, Fred is somebody who's really inspired all of us to want to act on this issue. Thank and, you. Um, you know, somebody I really looked up to on Twitter, social media. And we first started to talk after you retweeted one of my tweets. It had something to do with, you know, gun violence prevention being a public health approach. Twitter connects us all, Fred. Exactly. And, and I just, I, I private messaged you on Twitter and just thanked you. And that's what I remember the that now. Yes. My, listen, um, my, my Twitter is my voice. You know, um, I do a lot of tweeting every day. It's how I get my message out. It's how I connect with others, whether it be, you know, at a health system like this or in politics or in media. Um, but, but I do remember that. And um, I'm glad that that connection happened because I do think the work that's happening here and our ability to maybe organize around it is going to have a tremendously meaningful result. Yeah. And, and Fred on Twitter, of course, you've been talking a lot about dads for gun safety, this campaign, uh, you know, this time must be so hard for you. Um, you know, how do you get through times like this and what is this campaign? You know, what is the goal? Well, I, I get through times like this because I am still a dad. My son is still with me. My wife is still around and we have Jamie's legacy to also always support. Um, I am a dad who has a mission in life now to do something about gun violence. And so, you know, for me, Father's Day is no longer a day that I am capable of celebrating. I, I just, I can't. So I treat it as a day of mission and purpose. We as a country have watched as our kids have done this amazing job of speaking up for themselves. As moms have done this amazing job of speaking up for kids. And the dads, have not been so vocal or organized. And I'm tired of that. They should, the most important thing to come out of Father's Day is to celebrate your role as a father, the protector. And I want dads to know that it is cool to say I'm for gun safety. I want dads to know you can be a gun owner and for gun safety. And so I've started this whole movement called hashtag dads for gun safety. I want dads to join me. I want to send a message to Washington, D.C. It's not just the moms and the kids anymore that you got to look out for. It's the dads also. The senators, if they see dads organizing and energized, they will respond to that. You know, from your your book, uh, Find the Helpers, you know, something that jumped out at me, you wrote... For me, what feels natural and right is to continue being Jamie's dad in this way. As parents, we always react to what happens to our children. This mission is how I will continue to be a father to both of my children, both Jesse and Jamie. You know, this campaign is such a a beautiful continuation of that thought. Um, You know, Dr. Sathy, when you hear this, 
as someone who is now trying to do something similar in healthcare and bring this industry into this conversation really about firearm safety, gun violence prevention, you know, what do you think about that and, and Fred's voice here? It's exceptionally powerful. I mean, I'm a father as well. And, and so, you know, there are so many commonalities, right? I, I think that speaking about dads, Fred, you know, what you're doing with that, that is an untapped kind of um, point that you bring up, right? Why are dads not mobilizing around this? We all care about the safety of our children. And so I'm beyond inspired by that. And like I said earlier, I mean, Fred's voice, you know, his writings um, are what make us do what we want to do in the healthcare lane, right? The people doing the hard work are parents like you, the survivors, the people who are actually affected by gun violence. In the healthcare lane, right, we, I personally have not experienced gun violence in my family, so I'm very fortunate. But hearing words from folks like you is what inspires us to want to do better. Well, thank you. You know, and uh, I was actually uh, watching part of one of the recent uh, learning collaborative meetings, which you lead uh, along with our CEO, Michael Dowling. Tell me about those. Um, you know, what has, ha what have they been like? What have you, what are you accomplishing and what do you hope to accomplish? So the learning collaborative, um, it's a national learning collaborative for hospitals and health systems on gun violence prevention. One thing we're learning is that there are many hospitals, health systems, healthcare providers across the country who are interested in gun violence prevention efforts, but don't know where to start. So the point of that collaborative is to develop community and network within the healthcare industry. It's a multi-phase, multi-year collaborative. The first year that we're in right now is all about education. And then year two and three are about action and actually implementation. So we have over 360 participants from 35 states who are in that collaborative. You can imagine if we get all the biggest health systems in the country to pledge to actually implement firearm safety healthcare strategies, what kind of impact do you think that can have? Right? That's going to be huge. That literally has probably not been done for any other disease in this type of coordinated fashion. So that is the goal. It's to educate, to empower. Um, and we hear a lot from folks in the collaborative that they want, they are using it as a means to uh, inspire their leadership to prioritize this, to say, oh, hey, there's other health systems who are doing this. It's not a bad thing. And to get everybody else on board. So that's kind of the point. And, uh, you know, we work closely with folks like Fred to really get that message out there. Um, who, and he's definitely going to be helping us kind of mobilize the healthcare industry as a whole. Yeah. We like to end on a positive note uh, on 20 Minute Health Talk. Dr. Sathya, you know, just tell me what gives you hope? What gives you optimism going forward? People like Fred, who, uh, you know, who after suffering such tremendous personal loss, really have made this their mission, right? To make our community safer. And one thing that was brought up earlier as well is the fact that we have made progress in the past on other very controversial issues. You know, whether it be smoking, smoking in public areas, even seatbelts. Right. This was all controversial. There was a lot of lobbying against this. And once we considered a public health approach, the tides shifted a little bit and we were able to make progress. So that inspires me. Fred inspires me. And those students inspire me. Right. Hearing what the next generation has to say. Well, I, I appreciate that. And I'm going to toss that right back at you, kind of, because being a part of the work happening here is what gives me hope. Seeing the support across the country whether it's here at Northwell or amongst Americans who just voted to change 
leadership in Washington, D.C., in part on this issue. But, but mostly, mostly it is the kids. This country just has amazing kids. And to watch them step up and communicate how strongly they feel about what matters to them and their futures. Um, all I can say is we adults better be listening to them because they're going to be voting soon. They're going to be in charge soon. And, and um, we better get this done for them. Fantastic. Well, thank you both uh, for joining us today. Um, really appreciate your time and, you know, best of luck with both of both of your efforts. Thank you for having me. Get more expert insight from some of the leading voices in healthcare today. Subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk on Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts.